We are on Chagiga Chafei Amel Aleph 25A1 in the article Gemara. We are about to start the Gemara that is commenting on our Mishnah that discusses the Ameha Aret, those that are not knowledgeable in the laws of Tumah and Tahara, of purity and impurity, and about the fact that we do believe them with regards to the Kachim the entire year, and with regards to Truma, we believe them to say that something is pure or impure during the correct season. If it's during the wine pressing season or the, or the oil pressing season, then they are believed. The Gemara notices that the Mishnah says that it's specifically the Amaya Aret, those that are less knowledgeable, in the land of Yehuda. The Gemara says, Yehuda in It says specifically in the land of Yehuda. Yehuda was the land that is is the land in Yerushalayim itself, where in Jerusalem, where the base of Mikdash was, where the temple was. And for the people that live there, we believe the Ameha Aretz, those that are less knowledgeable to tell us that the Truma is Tahor at the right time, during the right season, they would be believed. The implication is that if they are in the Galil, if they're in the northern part of Israel, then they are not believed. And the question is why? My time, why are they not believed? What is, why would you differentiate between the northern part of Israel or the part of Israel that is in Yerushalayim itself as to whether those Ame Aret are believed in, in Jerusalem but not believed in the north? Why would you differentiate between the two? So the Gemara answers, Amar Yishlakish, Bibnei Sheretsua Shalkusim Mafsekes Beinayan. Yishlakish explains as follows that there is a strip of land between, that separated between the northern part of Israel and Jerusalem. And that strip of land was the place where Kusim, Kusim lived. Kusim were people that converted to Judaism, but even the conversion itself was questionable. And over time, they really, they weren't Jewish anymore. They weren't practicing Jews anymore. And so they really had the status of non-Jews. Now it's important to note, non-Jews, if they are in a certain land, let's say outside the land of Israel, there's a rabbinic decree that all land outside the land of Israel, if it's if it's uh, inhabited by non-Jews, so then it has automatically a rabbinic impurity. The land itself, and not just the land, but also the avir, the airspace of the land, it has a rabbinic impurity to it, Atoma, because we are concerned that there are cemeteries, there are places where people are buried which aren't marked, and we just don't know which place has uh, has a, a dead body there, which place doesn't, and so therefore they made a decree to say that both the land and the airspace, that it all is impure. And so the same would apply with this strip of land. There was a strip of land that ran across the land of Israel in which um, it, it separated between the northern land and Jerusalem. And if that's the case, so then it would be impossible, it would be nearly impossible for somebody to go from the north to Jerusalem and not make their truma, make the produce impure because they have to pass through this land. This land automatically gives it a status of, on a rabbinic level, of an impurity. And so that's why it doesn't mention Galil because in the Galil, uh, they wouldn't be able to pass through this area. Okay, the Gemara is going to try to come up with different ways, different solutions to find a way for people to pass through this strip of land which has this rabbinic 
law that it is impure because non-Jews are living there, and therefore we don't know where people are buried. We, we just don't we just don't know because the non-Jews are the ones that are living there. As an aside, Tosos, the classic commentator Tosos, asks a question. He says, if there's that strip of land there, so then going back to the beginning of our tractate, of our Masechta, how did they ever go to Jerusalem three times a year to be Olala Regal, to come to Jerusalem three times a year during the holidays of Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot? They would become impure when they came in, and that would be a problem if they were impure when they come, they're not allowed to be impure when they come to Jerusalem. That's the question that Tosus asks. And others try to give different answers. Some want to say that, you know what, it's true. And that's why they, in fact, had to come seven days before. They, they didn't just spend Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot in Jerusalem, but they came seven days before, went through the whole process of purifying themselves. Again, the whole concern here is that they're going to touch a dead body. Touching a dead body requires seven days to become pure again. And so they came seven days before, according to some. That's how some uh, want to explain it. Uh, others, they have, there's a big discussion, which is a very interesting discussion. We mentioned at the very beginning of this entire tractate, towards the beginning, that if somebody is impure, then they're not obligated to be, to, um, to bring the various korbanos. They're not obligated to, to bring the olas re'ia, to bring some of the various sacrifices during these holidays. So, how much, the question becomes, how much does a person have to go out of their way to make sure that they are pure? They're coming from the north. They're going to become impure. And then they have to go through a whole process of becoming pure again. How much do they have to go out of their way if they're going to become impure anyways and they're not going to be able to come to bring the sacrifices? So then maybe they shouldn't have an obligation to go to begin with. Or do we say that no, that they'll become impure, but they have to go out of their way to become pure again after they pass that strip of land which makes them impure? so that they could participate in Aliyah Laregel, in, in coming to the base of Megdash, to the temple, three times a year. So that happens to be a very big discussion that's discussed from this uh, as an extension of this Tosos. Okay, but that was really just a side point uh, relating to the fact that you have this strip of land which separates between the northern part of Israel and Jerusalem, so it made it difficult for people to pass through as in, as in a Tahor state, as a, as a pure person. The Gemara asks, well, maybe there's other ways to solve this solution, solve this problem, sorry. The Gemara asks, Why can't, well, I can find a way to keep the produce tahor, to keep it pure. Why don't we put it into a trunk or a closet that you just, you a trunk that you carry with you. If you put it into a trunk, it's completely covered. It will prevent, it will protect it from the airspace. So, Maybe that's fine. So the Gemara asks, turning to 25A2, again, so this trunk should should protect it from the airspace. So the Gemara answers, how money, who is the author of our Mishnah? Who is the one that said that they cannot come from the north? Rebbe, it's Rebbe. Rebbe says they can't from the north. Why? Because Rebbe says, there's a dispute as to whether or not if you have an OL, if you have something which is enclosed, it's covering it, let's say, like a trunk, but it is movable. It's moving. So is that considered a separation or not? Because it's not it's not fixed to the ground as a separate building, as a separate room, as a separate area, but it's really movable. You move, you carry it. You're carrying this trunk. So does that protect you from the airspace, which which is tummy, which is impure? 
because they decree, this is a rabbinic decree, to say that the airspace is also impure because the concern is from the dead, from the dead bodies that were buried and dead bodies that are buried. And the decree was, was, to, was that the airspace is also impure. Um, so, if this, if this is a movable tent, a, a, literally a movable tent, but it's a movable enclosure of a trunk, Rebbe is of the opinion that that doesn't constitute uh, a separation from the impurity. Because it's moving, it doesn't, doesn't uh, separate it from the impurity, and then it does become impure. So we're stuck with our, our problem that you can't pass through by holding a trunk. So Rebbe holds, that if it's a movable, if it's a movable enclosure, enclosed area, so then that still doesn't protect it. The Tanya, as it's taught in a brisa, it's taught in a brisa from the times of the Mishnah. Somebody goes into the land of the non-Jews in one of these trunks or closets. Rabbi Mitame, Rabbi says you're still impure. Whatever's inside is still impure. The Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Huda Mitaher, Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Huda says that it is tahar. It does protect it. But the author of our mission is Rebbe. Rebbe says it does not protect it. Now this whole concept also, as an aside, this whole concept of an O.L. Zarek, of a moving O.L., a moving enclosed space, whether or not that protects it or not, we, Paskin, we hold that, like this position of Rebbe, that it does not protect it uh, from, uh, from the airspace. So it becomes a big question, which is a big discussion. It's not. It's not for these recordings. But when Kohanim go, Kohanim are not allowed to become impure. They're not allowed to become impure by being an impure by uh, contracting the impurity of a dead person. They're not allowed to. In fact, that's this week's parsha um, discusses this. But they're not allowed to come in contact with uh, a dead person, and that's not just the physical contact of touching, but it's also the impurity specifically of a dead person uh, also goes up. It, it also extends to the airspace above the, the the mace, above the deceased. And so there's a there's a big question about how could a Kohen go on an airplane where either, uh, let's say, to the, the, it only applies to Jew, uh, a Jewish mace, a Jew, somebody who's Jewish who is deceased, that the impurity continues straight up into the airspace. So let's say... They're flying with uh, with Alal, and there's a there's a, a deceased, a Jewish uh, person who has deceased that's in the cargo area. So then, how could the Kohen be on the plane because they'll become impure from the uh, from the mace from the deceased? Or another question that's also asked is, what happens if you have a flight which passes over a Jewish cemetery? If you know that the plane is going to pass over a Jewish cemetery, so then can a Kohen go on that plane or not? Because the plane is an Oazark, it's a it's a moving uh, enclosed space, and we hold that that doesn't protect it. That we hold like Rebbe that, that that would not protect it from the impurity. So that is a is a fascinating discussion, which is beyond uh, our our discussion here, and we would have to look into that further at some other time. Either way, the Gemara originally, just to put it, go back to the context of the Gemara, the Gemara was trying to figure out how could you go through this strip of land. First, they wanted to suggest maybe just any any form of an enclosed area will protect it. And the Gemara said that no, we're of the opinion of Rebbe, who holds that if it's moving, it does not protect it. However, the Gemara then asks a different question. The law is that an earthenware vessel, an earthenware vessel only becomes impure on the inside of the vessel, not on the outside of the vessel. You can only contract impurity on the inside. So if you put food on the inside of it, let's say you put this truma food 
in the inside, and then you close it up, you seal it up, so then impurity can't go into it. Right? So you can take it over in an earth, specifically in an earthenware vessel. It's something unique to an earthenware vessel. So maybe you could do that. You could put the truma in an earthenware vessel, and then you could pass over this strip of land which has this rabbinic impurity that applies to land which is which is uh, has non it's mostly dwelled by non Jews. So the answer is no. That that's not a solution either. Alma Rebbe Lezer, Lezer says Shonen ain't a kodesh nitzal but some still. It's not it's not a solution because it's true that an earthenware vessel protects if it's completely sealed in because on the inside it can only become impure on the inside. However, that does not apply to kachim. And what we're discussing here is kachim. It's about passing over kachim, having kachim go across. And by kachim, it's uh, it, there's a there's a, an exception to kachim. Kachim is. We're more stringent, as we saw in the last couple of pages, that of the Gemara, that Kachim has various stringencies, and one of them is also that the earthenware vessel could also become impure for Kachim on the outside, not just on the inside, but also on the outside. It doesn't protect it. So the Gemara questions that idea. Is it really true that an earthenware vessel could become impure even if it's sealed when it comes to Kachim? About Tanya, but it was taught in a Brisa. The Brisa seems to imply otherwise. The Brisa says that the chatas, the chatas is the water that's being used for the ashes of the paraduma of the red cow, which we mentioned was a higher level of holiness than kachim, than than the food that's used in the service of the of the base of Mikdash. So it says that the Brisa says only that the chatas, the water that's used for the paraduma for the red heifer, that is not protected by an earthenware vessel, which is sealed up, but the implication is my love HaKodesh Nitzel, but anything else, even Kachim, would be protected by the earthenware vessel if it's sealed up. That's the, the Gemara's question. The fact that the Brisa didn't mention Kachim as something which is not protected implies that Kachim is protected by the earthenware vessel. The Gemara answers, no. Don't make such an inference. The reason why the Gemara said the Chatzas water is because lo the, the implication is really just that the water, which has not yet been prepared for purification, it will be used, but it has not been yet designated. So then that gets saved if it's that water is in an earthenware vessel, which is sealed. But it's also true that when it comes to kachim, kachim also is not protected by the earthenware vessel, and so therefore you cannot take it across this strip of land. Lingmar then says that if it is true that you cannot go from the northern part of Israel to Jerusalem without passing by this strip of land which is impure, so then why did the following take place? Valmar Ula, Ula says, Chavraya Medakan Begalila. That in the Galil, in the north, the Chavirim, the Chavirs, not the Amarites, but those that were knowledgeable, what do they do? They prepared wine and oil in a state of purity in order to be used with the sacrifices in the temple. But why would they do that? Why would they make sure that it's in a state of purity if anyways it's going to become impure when they travel to Jerusalem? So the Gemara answers, no. Why do they set it aside? A tremendous amount of emuna, of belief in, uh, they did this, they made it everything impurity in Tyra for the following reasons. Manichan, they set it aside for a later point in time, for when Eliyahu, Elijah will come, Luxhev Eliyahu, Vita Eliyahu will come, Eliyahu is known to have a better understanding of things, that he'll know more of what's going on, and Eliyahu will come, and he'll say, ah, there's this one place where I know where you could pass through. There's nobody buried there. There's nobody, uh, uh, there's, there's, 
there's a, a place where they didn't live there where you could where you could pass through. It doesn't have the the rabbinic impurity, and that's where you could pass through. So they had this strong belief, you know, we'll make everything pure, we'll make the oil pure, the wine pure, even though we can't pass through now. But they had this belief that uh, Eliyahu would come and he'd show them the right path to go to Yerushalayim. Okay, this concludes this this uh, section of the Gemara, but essentially. The Gemara is saying that we can only believe the Amearet in Jerusalem itself, in the land of Yehuda, not in the northern part, because there was a strip of land which they would have to pass through, which would automatically make it impure, so then you can't trust them. They say that it's pure, but they just passed over land, which automatically made it impure.